The Italian Wine Podcast is introducing a new donation drive this month. It's called Why Am I a Fan? We are encouraging anyone who tunes in on a regular basis to send us your 10-second video on why you are a fan of our podcast network or a specific show. We will then share your thoughts with the world with the goal of garnering support for our donation drive. Italian Wine Podcast is a publicly funded, sponsor-driven enterprise that needs you in order to continue to receive awesome free wine edutainment seven days a week. We are asking our listeners to donate to the Italian Wine Podcast by clicking either the GoFundMe link or the Patreon link found on italianwinepodcast.com. Remember, if you sign up as a monthly donor on our Patreon, we will send you a free IWP t-shirt and a copy of the Wine Democracy book, the newest Mama Jumbo Shrimp publication. Hello, everybody. My name is Polly Hammond, and you are listening to Uncorked, the Italian wine podcast series about all things marketing and communication. Join me each week for candid conversations with experts from within and beyond the wine world as we explore what it takes to build a profitable business in today's constantly shifting environment. Today, we're joined by Dave Foss, direct from Wine to Wine 2022. Dave has spent nearly 30 years working in Hospo. He's a partner at the beloved Lalu Wine Bar in Brooklyn and partner at F&B consulting firm Invictus Hospitality. In this episode, we talk about what plays in Peoria, East Coast versus West Coast versus Middle America, and if natural wine is simply experiencing healthy growing pains. Let's get into it. All right. That sounds fun. Dave Foss, I'm super excited to have you here because we're going to have a little East Coast, West Coast wine rap battle going here. I'm from Los Angeles. You are from New York. Yes. Maybe we might meet in the middle. Maybe we meet in the middle. Well, there's something else you need to know. I've lived in Los Angeles for 14 years. I know it. I know I was going to bring that up. Okay, 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 okay. Let's, we're just going to go there right now. So you have got 20 plus years that we've got maybe an hour to condense that down to. Yeah. And we have to be interesting and entertaining, you know, oh, at all the same time. Oh, I'm the worst person for that. I'm God, so they, they just can't see how fabulous we look here at Wine to Wine. <laughs> um, so you, before we get into the years in L.A., Quick kick down for everyone's listening. You have flown all the way from New York to Verona to talk to us at Wine to Wine. What about? So the idea that they brought me out for was to talk about the differences in markets. Um, we, we, I talked to a lot of winemakers, not just Italian, but all across Europe. And everyone has this idea and they're so fascinated with New York. It's New York, what's happening in New York, New York, New York. And we need to... Can you sing that next time? <laughs> next time I'll sing it for you. <clears throat> oh, don't get me started. I sing. All, like, if you say a word, if you say bye, next thing you know, I'm singing in sync, bye, bye, bye. It's a bad, it's bad. It's awesome. Awesome. So, um, That's the next, next I podcast. I digress. I apologize. <laughs> but so, you know, everybody has this idea that New York is where it is. And, and it is. Like the trends kind of start there, but they don't always leave. So... They may leave and go to other major markets, major urban centers, you know, San Fran, Los Angeles, uh, parts of Florida, like wherever there's like this young, hip crowd that the scene kind of moves there. But that's like the small part of America. Like people forget that America's huge. It's like it's 325 million people. 
And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about things like natural wine and how it's proliferated and it's everywhere. And, you know, it's even in an article recently said, it's even in Topeka, Kansas. It's like, yeah, there is a place in Topeka, Kansas that you can find natural wine that just focuses on natural wine. But I, I dare anybody to find another 10 places in the state that focus just on, the, on natural wine. Like one place does not make a trend. Yeah. It's a curiosity. In New York, it's a trend. I mean, it's, it's the norm, not even mm -hmm. a trend. It's the norm. But so we, we were discussing the differences in the markets and what is, what is still popular in New York and what is happening in the other areas and all that jazz. That makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. And actually, so um, as a marketer, this is something I'm super fascinated to discuss because we have, you know, there's always this generic, everybody has the same info, top five markets in America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what are they doing in the urban metro areas? I get the clients who are working with U.S. as one of their export markets, and it's always I want to be in New York. It's always, I want to be in New York. I want to be in San Francisco. I want to be in Los Angeles. And, <clears throat> and one of the things that you actually realize when you're looking at the data is, you know, Ohio sells a fuck ton of wine and everybody else is not saying, I want to be in Ohio. I want to be in Kentucky. You know, I want to be kind of Lexington. Like you pick, you pick your places and, and look for what are those white spaces? Where is it where all these people are reading about something, but they're like, what, what is this natural line thing of which you speak? How do I get this? Yeah. I, you know? and, and so I think that one of the, the questions I'm curious about is how do the trends move if they do, in fact, and is it based on a reality of sourcing it or is it based on the media stories about Topeka, Kansas has, you know, one natural wine bar and people are like, yes, we all need more natural wine. We're kind of picking on natural wine, but, but it's not just natural wine. It's really it's, any, it, any wine trend. And any wine trend. Um, <clears throat> we pick on natural wine and, and just to be fully transparent, I mean, I pretty much exclusively buy <laughs> natural wine at, at, at Lalu. We only buy natural wine. Uh, we look for a cleaner style. Uh, I, I prefer to use the term minimal intervention. Right. I have a friend who used the term lo-fi that I always thought. I like that. that I, I was like, that works well. Gives you a bit of a bit of wiggle room, yes. you know, not boxing you in quite so much. Yeah. So, and, and even when I go out, I, I try to source things that are at the very least organic. doesn't always happen when we, when we go to these middle markets. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. uh, we, we try that. But I, I don't know that the trends always move. There might be a place that picks up on it and does it uh, based off of what the media is saying, but the majority of people in middle America still don't know what orange wine is. The majority of people in middle America still think that, you know, Prosecco is a type of champagne. I mean, like we, we talked about this yesterday was, you know, the, the trends don't always translate at all to some of these places. And part of it is that the distribution networks don't get out there or they don't even try to get out there because they don't believe it will work. I did a job in Springfield, Missouri, and I reached out to a distributor and I was asking about some wines that were, in my opinion, they were very clean, but they were, they're considered like a cool kid natural wine, mm -hmm. but they're very clean. You, if you blind tasted them, I would 
I would garner that almost nobody would be able to right. tell that they were natural, natural, quote unquote. They had a little sulfur. Um, <laughs> but I reached out to the person who was the distributor there and, and he just kind of said, yeah, yeah, I have that. Where, where is this place? I'm like, it's in Springfield. He goes, dude, you don't want to do that. Wow. I, like he, he actively tried to not sell me this wine. Why? He's like, they're not going to understand it. They're going to send it back. And I'm like, dude, this is a clean, I know this wine. This wine is not a, a faulty wine. This is a very clean wine. This is a great gateway drug into natural wine. And he just, he was literally, and I just, I wanted to call his, his importer and be like, dude, this guy's not doing you any justice. I didn't. Um, but I, that's what you're dealing with in these places is that well, there's a fear that they don't understand it. I mean, I guess, so do you remember the old El Paso <clears throat> salsa um, ads when we were growing up, which was like, where's this made? New York City, you know, get a rope was how, how the whole thing. Yeah. Probably I should not reference that anymore. The world has, <laughs> has moved on long enough. I've just got myself in trouble. But, but is there um, just this antipathy it, it coming from some of these, some, from some of the middle America places where they're like, oh, that's a New York thing. That's, you know, this feeling of we don't want to be that. We don't want their trends. Do we know if there's a desire and it just can't get there? Or if it's importers saying this doesn't make good business sense, or if it's the population saying, you know what, we don't have time to learn about your fancy new thing that you I think it's us. a combination. Okay. I think if you are able to show these wines to the people and educate them in a way that isn't condescending. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a huge thing. And like you bring up the New York thing, like the, like, and I've, I've seen that when I'm out, they're like, Oh, this is like some snobby New Yorker coming to talk about wine, some wine expert quote unquote. Um, and people still have this notion of the wine person of being this snotty, arrogant dude. Well, those do exist. They do. Yeah. On both sides. And it's funny because they actually exist less in natural wine. <laughs> well, actually, Is that I disagree. Okay. All right. I think there are two camps. I think there are the blue chip snobs and there are the natty dogmatics yeah, snobs. Yeah, yeah. And they are the exact same person on different sides of the spectrum. Right. Right. So, you know, the blue chips is like, oh, it's Bordeaux and Burgundy. It's only, if, oh, if you're not drinking DRC, you're... You're a, You're a nobody, plebeian, <laughs> plebeian. And, then, and I'm not saying there are a lot, but there are the same people that on the natural side as well. Mm -hmm. I, I kind of try to fall into that, that middle ground because... Because ultimately, also, you're a businessman, which, you know, to, to kind of digress from the trends part of it and maybe get to those 14 years that you spent in California, you, you, have, uh, you have your own restaurant, you have your yes. own wine bar, which is very much on the, the natural wine side of things, but you have a consultancy that is, a, is nationwide. You work with brands all across or, or with regions all across we the U.S.? everywhere. Uh, we we go and we speak at the restaurant and bar convention mm -hmm. in New York or in, in Las Vegas. I'm sorry. Every year we go and we speak and we, we get a lot of work out of that and we end up, uh, you know, getting these jobs because the people that go to the bar and restaurant convention in Las Vegas are not the people that are opening restaurants in New York, in Miami, in Los Angeles. It's middle America. I can't tell you how many people come up to us. It's like, Hey, I've never owned a restaurant. I'm going to open this place up. We need help. And they come to us. And how do you help them? We do everything, whatever they need. 
you need you need us to design your place. Great, we'll do that. Oh, you need you need project management. Yeah, we'll do that. You want us to build a beverage program? We'll do that. We, Damn, we, we could do top to bottom. We need more menu of you. design. You whatever you want. We have a team of people. We've got a wonderful designer who lives in Costa Rica. His name Mark Diaz. He's he's fucking crazy. He's he's a madman, but he's gifted. He's a pain in the ass. I mean, he's like. <laughs> If he's oh, listening, this. oh, I'm going to do this. Oh, oh. And he gets, he gets so <laughs> fucking like, like a th- mystical. It's like, oh, it's just a feel that I'm like, Mark, shut the fuck up. Can we just, like, can we build a wall here with rope? Yes. Yes. Can we yes. build a wall here with rope? <laughs> just come back to the El but, um, but yeah, we do, we do everything like, and so, but we'll also come in if, uh, you know, you're, you're not doing well and we can help figure out what the issues are. Is it a top line pro- problem? Is it a bottom right. line problem? Um, if it's a top line problem, it's a lot more difficult to fix, mm-hmm. uh, meaning they're not generating enough revenue. Of course. Um, but we do, we do everything and we get a lot of work and it, a lot of it is in middle America. Like, like, and, and, and everywhere, like we've literally done Pocatello, Idaho, Haver, Montana population, you know, 8,000. We've done big hotel jobs. Um, we, we run the gamut able to talk about it. You know, we hear so much about the ongoing issues in hospitality in America. So from sourcing to labor, to capital, to lending, to, you know, all of this, are you able to give us a little bit of insight on what you're seeing? And in fact, are these trends that move across borders? So maybe New York has the same set of liabilities that they're dealing with right now that they're, you know, they're different. They're different. They're different Tell across the board. Um, it, it's, it's really kind of, it's kind of opposite of what you would, you would think. So people are starting to have capital issues now. Mm. Oddly enough, about a year into the pandemic, there was a flood of money. PP. For, no, 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 no. New okay. investment. Yes. PPP, uh, uh, ERTC, all the, all these things. Yes, there was that money, but there was a flood of money. I can't tell you how many people reached out, especially in middle America and especially these other, other places about like, like once this is done, there's a lot of places, this is fucked up, but like, there's a lot of places that went out of business and there are a lot of second gen spaces that are going to be available. So about, about a year and a half ago, two, about a year and a half ago, people started flooding and started flooding money into the sector, but not everybody had the the wherewithal and the understanding to run a restaurant or bar. So a lot of them are having problems now. Um, The other problem, you you know, we saw is that people did get a lot of money and then people, you know, I know in particular in New York, like everyone was expecting this summer to be slammed. Mm -hmm. It's going to be nuts because the roaring twenties, summer, summer, 2021 was incredibly busy in New York City. Restaurants, even though we were, you know, half capacity or two-thirds capacity, were doing, people were going out. Like it was a busy New York summer. Normally New York is not busy in the summer because people couldn't go to Europe. People couldn't travel. And the people that could, that did have the money went to the Hamptons. So it was... But people were around, and so everybody was like, "Dude, this summer, 2022, is gonna be is gonna be killer." And I know a lot of restaurants that, you know, they were like, "We're gonna expand. We're gonna do this. We're gonna spend more money here. We're gonna because they they had the capital at that time, 
And they just were like, we're going to, this is going to be great. And then it was not the summer that anyone expected because people could finally leave. Mm-hmm. Um, people were like, oh, New York was like, oh, I, can, I go to Europe. Great. I mean, I went to, I went to Colombia. We went to Cartagena. It was great. I got out of town, you know, people could travel. So people left. It was, it was a different experience. Um, yeah. And so New York has had its own troubles, but we're like right now is the city is booming. I want to kind of go back to your wine bar. Yes. Um, where do you, does most of your wine come from American domestic production or is it oh, from overseas no. it's production? mostly Europe. It is mostly Europe. Okay, I just yeah, wanted I to confirm that 90, before I, I, I would going. say 90, 90, 95% of the list is uh, Europe. Is European. Um, can you talk a little bit about adoption of local wines versus European wines? <clears throat> because what we see in some of the markets is that it's very much this, I want the California wine in California. I want the New York wine in New York. You know, like, or... Or is, um, is it a thing where most of America now, or in this case, I should not use that trend language, is it a thing where you've got 22-year-olds coming in and they're like, absolutely, I want to try this crazy French wine or this Spanish or, you know, are they interested? Because a lot of what we're hearing is it's really hard to onboard younger audiences to European, younger American audiences to European wine. Outside of New York, it's very difficult. Inside of New York, it's easy. That's what they're coming for. And outside of New York, meaning Middle America, or Middle America, Florida, as well Middle as Middle America. Take take. I mean, even <clears throat> I know that Miami is becoming like a little bit of a natural has has like some natural wine places, mm-hmm. but it's not dominating the the Miami wine scene. It's okay. an up and comer. It's definitely trending, but it's not this. You know, hasn't taken over like it has. In, in New York City or Los Angeles. Well, because in LA, for so long in California, there was this notion that it was really hard to actually sell European wines in California because we had such a fabulous native wine production, right? And so you could sell a Bordeaux in New York just because of heritage whereas you and, and proximity, whereas it was much harder to sell the same Bordeaux in Los Angeles. You don't find that to be true? For me. It's not hard. For, I know. That, I that's, that's, really I guess, hard. so like, it's, it's really it's hard, hard to not it's, talk it's, in our bubble. Yeah. So it's like, that's my, 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 I have to think about, yes, it is difficult for a lot of people to, to sell those wines. It, it, not, not as much in LA anymore, but at one point it was very, very difficult. So time in LA, you worked <clears throat> for some of the major restaurant groups. In, yeah, I mean, I worked Angeles. for, uh, I was at uh, Morgan's Hotel Group, mm-hmm. which was China Grill, um, which was Asia to Cuba, China Grill Management. Um, you know, that, that's the, the classic, I think they, the name that they gave it in Eater was, you know, the shit show restaurants. <gasps> oh my God. <laughs> Look, it was a party. It was, yeah. I mean, it, it, Ian Schrager started the Morgan's Hotel Group. It was a party. Um, and I, I also worked with like nightlife venues. I was, I helped run nightclubs, like Hollywood hotspots. We don't talk about this normally. Oh, I can't I believe know. I'm talking about this. talk about this. God. Um, but we would always try and have. You're a little bit younger. You're a little bit younger than me. I'm I would always say, have but. like, you know, we always tried to have fun, interesting wines. Um, I knew about natural wine at that time. This is like the, the mid aughts. So 
I, I did know about natural wine a little bit, but it wasn't on my, I wasn't a natural wine guy. I hadn't really known about it. So I was just carrying cool, fun wines from Austria, you know, France, obviously, you know, back when you used to order cases and cases and cases of Reyes. Dave, it's just taken us 30 minutes to get to the really good part of this oh discussion. My oh my God. Oh, the stuff we used to buy that, that we used to get so much of. Oh, I wish I could get some of those wines now. Uh <laughs> no, but here's the thing. I think this is so important and I just want people to hear it. Okay, so it has actually taken us this long to get to this story. You worked in spaces that were about joy and entertainment and, you know, and actually like fucking loving what we're serving. Like this is it. So now I think I have a much better understanding of your approach to natural wines and the trends. So if we look at this, this notion of let's just make this a party, right? Natural wine is so much more of a party than it is. I think, and I, I don't know for sure, but I think, uh, Someone very well known in New York is opening a uh, a natural wine, basically like a natural wine nightclub or a, a party bar. Um, I don't know. If I, I heard the rumor, and I'm like, yeah, that that that, that makes sense. Are we allowed to talk about opinions around non natural wine? My my personal yeah opinions about non natural wine yeah yeah sure why not okay because one of the <clears> things <throat> that that I've said for years as a marketer with natural wine, and I'll be straight up with you. I, you know, some natural wines are awesome. Some natural wines, not so good. It's exactly the same with every other kind of wine that gets produced. But natural wine has life. It's got good art. It's got good stories. It's got interesting people. Like it's, I actually look at it and I say natural wine has been so awesome for the wine industry, whether you want to consume it or not, because we have this vivacious, you know, characteristics to natural wine, whether it's the pornographic labels or, you know, the, but which happened or the, <laughs> you know, the, 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 yes, that, that right there just sums it all up or, or the artistry or the, the positioning of it. And so when I look at natural wine and I hear the derision around it, I feel like it's so dreadfully focused on something that is just one tiny portion of wine, which is the liquid that is in the bottle, that it's not the, look, we're bringing things that people can talk about and, you know, yes, they can explore it. And yes, maybe every bottle will be different, but for some people, that's actually what they want from wine. It is. It is. Some people want to, they want to, they want to crap shoot in a glass. That's okay. There's and nothing, not all, there's nothing wrong not with natural that. wines like that. <clears throat> there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I, I always have to remind, you know, staff and people that everyone's palate is different. My palate is different from your palate. The things I like right now are going to be different for you. You may not like them. I love, I mean, I might like something this you, week and not and, like it next yeah. week. I mean, yeah. what I drank in 2002 is a lot different from what I drank in 2010, which is different from what I drank in 2014. You know, I, I mean, at one point I was drinking orange wine, like skin macerated for six months, ripped the you know, enamel off your teeth, mm -hmm. tannic wines in 2004. That's what I was drinking all the time. I don't drink those as much anymore. Right now, I prefer a lighter style of, of 
natural or of orange wine. Right. I prefer that natural style. That's like a little more lighter. I like it a little cleaner right now. Um, I still want it natural. I still want the life, but I don't want like there are certain things that have turned on me, like volatile acidity. Like I can smell it from twenty feet away. I'm like, there's some VA there, and it's, right. it's probably a little bit too much. I'm not personally going to like it, but there's going to be a guest who comes in. is like, oh, I love, I love. I love VA. I love it so I much. I love it. And I'm like, okay, you know what? I've got something for you. Like we can't judge. And also you also can't judge the guy who comes in and is like, I like, I like Bordeaux. I like, you know, left bank Bordeaux. What do you normally like? Oh, I like O'Brien. That's fine. Well, I, the thing that, that we've talked about is that what's really, and this is just an opinion, but what's really more important is that people identify as wine drinkers. Because if you identify as a wine drinker, you're going to travel the world identifying as a wine drinker <clears throat> as opposed to a gin drinker or a beer drinker or whatever it is. So you're going to have a more expansive view about, you know, about wine specifically. Um, going back to this notion of trends, are there things that you feel like the natural wine industry is now like really uh, learning from, like maybe how we communicate, how we market, who we're marketing to, that it's no longer just as young people. Now we're doing a better job of talking to, you know, an older audience. I think you are starting to see uh, people try to, to talk to the older audience. <clears throat> and I think it's important that they, they start to reach out to that older audience as well. But you're also seeing, you got to remember, this is a new movement. It's a new movement for a lot of people. Like a lot of these winemakers are fairly young, right? So you get these people who maybe they were making wine conventionally, or maybe they just got out of enology school and they started making, you know, natural Sansuf wine. Well, I mean, the first time you did a podcast, how was it? Was complete, it great? It's complete shit. It was and I did it shit. publicly. And I think that's part of it. I did it publicly. The whole world saw me learn how to do what I do now. And I think that interestingly on this topic, this idea that, you know, wine, we don't talk about the things that don't work as an industry, as, as producers in industries, we keep all of our, our failures under wraps, right? Instead of, I think that we certainly have a generation coming up of winemakers who are like, okay, I'm going to try, you know, equivalent of a public build. I'm going to learn this and I'm going to learn it in front of my drinkers. And we're going to come along this ride together. Because, I mean, I think about like, I, I, I've watched winemakers grow. I have watched them. I, I remember tasting, um, should I say the name of the winery? If you have or a nice no. thing to say about them, say it. Well, I mean, like Cornelissen. I know that, you know, Action Bronson blew, blew Cornelissen up. But Cornelissen, you know, those wines, when they first came out, before they even had vintages and they were just, you know, numbers, they were, I mean, they were like, they were, wild wines. They were mm. vibrant and, you know, they were, every bottle was different, but you've seen his style kind of grow. He's figured out how to make these wines like still have the life that they have, but not as wild, not as they're not, every bottle is in a crapshoot. Like, you know, you're going to get something delicious and yeah, there might be some variation. Sorry. <clears throat> there might be some variation, but he, he's, he's grown as a winemaker. I mean, the first vintage he made, he, was, he wasn't doing it. Ariana Okipinti, her wines are beautiful and they've always been amazing. They've always been amazing. But you've seen her grow and, and like her wines had this, this fun playfulness when they were, 
you know, her early vintages. And now they're like, they, she, they still have this fun playfulness, but they have this, this underlying sophistication and, and length and depth. But isn't this really about not <clears throat> thinking of ourselves as a commodity that's simply replaceable with anything else that sits on the shelf? Like, cause in order to have this experience of having your audience grow with you, we have to actually care about them and they have to care about us. Like we have to foster good communication and good relationship. <sighs> you know, when you talk about that connection to these, these winemakers that we have, it's because a lot of times they're out there in the space. They're there. Like, you but that doesn't mean tasting rooms. Funnily enough, it doesn't mean any of the traditional spaces. A lot of times a natural <coughs> mind, sometimes it does, but I, I know a lot of them, they don't have the big fancy, you know, tasting rooms, cellar doors. No, they don't. Yeah. I don't like to go to those places personally. I mean, I, I take that back. I love to stay at those places and then go visit. But so when you but say they're out, you know, they're out they're there. They're out in the market. Where, so they're in the market. They come to the market and they go to places and they meet people. We, you know, I, I love, I think, produce, what we call producer night. Mm. Right now is. Tap takeovers is what we yeah, call it. Yeah, tap takeovers. So, I mean, right now in New York, this particular week that I'm here, mm. is you had Character Natural Wine Fair on Saturday. Then you had orange wine day or orange wine, whatever. Another, like, not a conference, but another mm -hmm. tasting. This week you have raw wine and you have peripheral and wild world. There's a ton of them, right? But these are the most exciting times to be in New York because those producers are going out every night and they're going to restaurants. And you're here with us. Assuming that it's a trend that we do actually want to grow nationwide, someone has to be willing to take the risk and say, I believe that my community, my local region is ready for this, right? Yeah. I mean, so you, you, are you talking about the idea of like, we're going to do a raw wine in Houston? Yeah. So logistically, like you're now talking about the only, the only issue is, is I think that would, I think it would, I think it would help. The problem now is, is like, Oh, you know, Hey guys, we're, we're doing New York. We're doing Montreal. We're going to go. We're, we're actually the way it goes. is I think it starts London, Montreal, right. New York, Los Angeles. Now we're going to go to Florida or Miami and we're going to do Houston. Now you've got these, these winemakers who, Let's face it, most of the guys that are making the wines that are at Raw, they're not, like, rich. Like, you talk about going to their place, and it's not this beautiful facility. It's, it's their house, and they've converted their garage or their old stable into the winery. So, like, you're then talking about them having to spend even more time and more money away right and but do i think it's it, a self-fulfilling it's a self-fulfilling <clears throat> cycle then right because if if we know that having them there having them in the market this is how we build the interest and the loyalty and the awareness and everything else but we can't get them into the market you know and and from a sheer business standpoint if, if i'm looking at a, a business model well actually i do know that a lot of wine sells in ohio and the reason that it does is because nobody cares 
to go and spend time in Ohio. So for me, I'm looking at it and saying, how do we get these people to Ohio? Because someone's buying wine there. I think that's, to be honest, their distributor. Their distributor or their importer needs to say, hey, man, I know you probably don't think Cincinnati is a super sexy place and you'd rather hang out in New York or Los Angeles, but those markets are steady, but we're not seeing an uptick in sales. Let's go to Cincinnati. We're going to hang out for, you're going to do tastings and we're going to do nights. You're going to come for three days or two days out of your seven day trip to the US. Let's go to Cincinnati and hang out and we're going to do this. I don't understand. What do you mean? Trust me, they're going to love it. Yeah. Because no one else is doing it. Yeah. And you're going to be the first to market. Now, the other question I have, though, um, there was an article fairly recently about, you know, how the wine wine bars are natural wine is proliferating everywhere. And it's it's not, obviously, but I wish it was. Uh, But, you know, one of my takeaways was they kind of railed on some, you know, about how natural wine has become homogenous and it's all the same and all the, and I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Uh, <laughs> what a weird, what a weird take. But on it was, anyone. it was like, you know, it's the same, it's the same natural winemakers that are in every wine bar across the U S U S which is false. But maybe in the small markets, you do see a lot of the similar, the, the same players, but maybe that's because the rest don't even get there. Yeah. It's like, maybe they just don't make it there. Like how many of the, this guy's got two hectares. Yeah. You know how much. Can't even service. He can't even service the relationship. Yeah. I mean, he's got, he's got people in New York and he, you know, I get a whopping three bottles of it. (laughs) You know, everybody in New York gets three bottles. So what, what are they going to get? If if 10 cases come to the U S and eight go to New York and one goes to Los Angeles and one goes to, you know, somewhere else, San Francisco, it's like, well, where's all this other wine coming from? So, you know, it becomes like about the supply. Wow. It really does because you have to think about it from that perspective. Um, yeah. So I know we've bebopped around a lot. <clears throat> My takeaways that I, I would just love for you to shoot it down if it's completely wrong is we have a whole like ecosystem of issues that come back to this. Why does something happen in New York and Los Angeles? And it may never happen in middle America. And it has actually so little to do with the naturalness of the natural wine. It has to do with the systems of the natural wine. It has to do with the production. It has to do with the economy. It has to do with distribution. It has to do with, with communications and to me, this simply sounds, simply, I say, this sounds just like the, the growth arc. This is just part of taking something from what used to be only known to the little wine bubble. And we're just at a stage now where we're starting to see some of the growth problems. And actually, that's not a terrible thing. It's, it's not a terrible thing. And, you know, I think you see pockets of it. You know, I, I made the joke about, you know, the curiosity of the one, you know, the natural wine bar in Topeka, Kansas, but that's a start. It's absolutely it's a, a start. start. And, and if that one place has it, great. That's a start. 
It means that it has made it there and someone's taken the risk. It means that maybe somebody in, in Kansas City is going to do it. It means somebody in Springfield, Missouri is going to do it. Um, I'm doing a, we're doing a project in Indianapolis that we're consulting on, and I couldn't really find much there. Maybe someone will do a natural wine bar there or a natural wine shop or even have a section, even just a section in their place, in their, in their wine shop that caters to that. These are natural wines. Yeah, I have one staff member who just completely, that is their jam, and they want to make certain that everybody who walks in the door yeah. you know, tries tries. It, it's all wine. a step in the right direction, but to, to say it's taken over America, it's not. <laughs> but, but I mean, I, and I, I want it to, I, I want there to be more. I want it to be out there. Um, yeah. I just want something that, like I said, adds a bit of life. Yeah. Dave, I've, I've so enjoyed talking with this you. Has thanks been for delightful. letting us go all around in all big circles. All the way around. But thanks no, so much for No, this has been great. Here. Thank you for the time. And, you know, this has been super fun. We're going to go drink lots of... We're going to go drink some wine now. Oh, yeah. And that's a wrap. Thank you for listening. And a great big thank you to Dave for joining me today, direct from Wine to Wine. The Italian Wine Podcast is among the leading wine podcasts in the world and the only one with daily episodes. Tune in each day and discover all our different shows. Be sure to join us next Sunday for another look at the world of wine marketing. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, cin cin.